Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Inner Visions of the Inspired Podcast. This is your host, Raymond Ricks II, better known as Sunrise Ricks II. Um, today, this is going to be a special topic. We are going to talk about when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., collided and met Malcolm X, two of the most historically great leaders unite, something that was so astronomically historic. I'm going to get into deep details and more as we take a journey on inner visions of the Inspired Podcast. Let's get it going, y'all. Hey, everybody. I am back again. Yes. um, In this episode, we are going to talk about how Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X met. You know, we are in a celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. It's a special holiday, but we want to learn more and more and more about his ideologies. But what would be a Martin Luther King Jr. birthday without Malcolm X? A man that has totally influenced Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as far as his ideologies and becoming more stronger and stronger and stronger and changing his approach. He was very instrumental, believe it or not, in the change of methodology after the I Have a Dream speech. Now, if they wouldn't have met, then I strongly feel that His ideologies will probably stay the same. And who knows how significant the movement would be. So um, I want to read some of these um, articles here. Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. met for the first and only time over in Washington, D.C., This was a little less than a year that Malcolm X was assassinated. They were both born around the mid to late 1920s. And their fathers were very active preachers, but they were freedom fighters. All right. Now, Dr. King, he um, grew up in a middle-class family where his father was an active preacher. But he had more privileges. He had a little bit more opportunities. Where Malcolm, he experienced a lot more in poverty, violence, discrimination when he was very young. 
Now, um, something that I never really knew that his father worships Marcus Garvey. And Marcus Garvey actually influenced the rise of Malcolm X. So Malcolm X followed the teachings of the one Marcus Garvey. All right. Now his father was killed when Malcolm X was very young at the hands of what he believed to be white supremacists. All right. And it affected himself, his mother. His mother had to be in a mental institution. And Malcolm, when he was young, he turned into a life of being a criminal. All right. He was... Um, Arrested at the age of 21 for, um, pop, was it pocket picketing or whatever they call it, stealing a lot of criminal activity. But while he was in prison, he met one of the uh, members of the Nation of Islam, you know, and from that point forward, Malcolm X decided, hey, look, I want to question what's inside the Bible. I want to question what's inside these scriptures. And that's, and that's when the birth of Malcolm X came to be. And he became... Um, Soon after prison, quietly, slowly, but maturely became the most prominent member of the Nation of Islam under the tutelage of one Elijah Muhammad. All right. Now, I want you guys to know, before they met Malcolm and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., were very critical of each other. Malcolm X has looked at Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as an Uncle Tom, a sellout, criticized him for using the nonviolent tactics to use against the um, officers, the white political leaders, so forth and so forth. It, it really angered Malcolm. While Dr. King criticized Malcolm X for his approach, saying that his tactics are not effective for change, claiming that he is trying to incite more violence that could affect black America. So there were differences of opinions there. Um, 
Malcolm was highly critical of King's nonviolent approach, believing King's actions to be too slow moving and too accommodating to white Americans. And he said he was a 20th century Uncle Tom, like I was saying. So Malcolm was more of a militant who believes in the black liberation. Now his famous quote, I'm saying his famous quote is saying by any means necessary. Now I've, I've listened to his speech last night and he was saying, I believe in peace. I believe in obeying the law. But if the white man ever puts his hands on you, then it's on. Then you'll be looking at a cemetery. <laughs> Malcolm X believed in the Second Amendment because he felt like a Second Amendment is a way to protect yourself, protect your family. And, and to protect your household. That's becoming, that's being a law abiding citizen. The second amendment not only protects gun owners, but it helps you protect yourself from any home invasion. Protects you from the pop, from the property that you've earned by any means necessary. He's about self-defense. And that's why a lot of people in the black community love Malcolm X. They see him more as a, more as a prominent black leader than um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. All right, but when Malcolm was assassinated and killed, Everybody now started to turn to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Because since they met his, the black community starting to respect him more and more and more because he's starting to see the light. All right. He saw that his I Have a Dream speech really didn't move white America that much to his liking. They still see him as a Negro. They still see him as a three-fifths of a human. And they still, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. still feel like blacks are still being discriminated. Whites are getting more home loans, more grants, low interest rates. And he realized enough is enough. All right. He wasn't big on capitalism at first, but he realized that in order to get what we want, we have to fight and take it. That's the same approach that uh, Malcolm X had. All right. I'm reading this article here in the biography here. 
Despite their differences, Malcolm did make some effort to try to bring King and other civil rights leaders together. In July 1963, Malcolm invited King to join a rally in Harlem. He called for a period of racial unity to fight white oppression, <clears throat> excuse me, white oppression, writing if capitalist Kennedy and communist Khrushchev can find something in common on which to form a united front despite their tremendous ideological differences. It is a disgrace for Negro leaders not to be able to submerge our minor differences in order to seek a common solution to a common problem posed by a common enemy. King never responded to that invitation and neither he nor other more moderate civil rights leaders attended the meeting. So their beef intensified. You know, when Dr. King was marching in Washington and there was a bombing of a Birmingham, Alabama church. Malcolm was very highly critical. That's right. But what strangely got them together was really when Malcolm X discovered what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was doing, where he impregnated a lot of young females, his secretaries. And I think he gave them hush money to keep it quiet. They told Malcolm what was happening. And he thought it was morally wrong and questioned the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And publicly, he decided to end his relationship with the Nation of Islam, though he was still a Muslim. All right. He was still a Muslim. And even before then, um, Elijah Muhammad criticized Malcolm X for um, going after JFK because of political reason, because the Negroes was so in tune with the Democratic Party. Because you remember when he said, Malcolm X said, well, the chickens came home to roost. That was when, it was a little bit after um, JFK was assassinated back in uh, 1963 over in Dallas, Texas. That's right. And he made a few other comments and it was, interest, it was interesting enough is once he publicly broken up with the Nation of Islam, he tried to bring um, Muhammad Ali along and Muhammad Ali turned his back on Malcolm X. 
He said he wanted nothing to do with him, would not talk to him or nothing. If he um, dishonored the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Let me remind you that when Muhammad Ali decided not to align himself with Malcolm X, Strangely enough, Muhammad Ali was getting a lot of corporate endorsements if people didn't realize, okay? He was getting endorse, endorsements from Wheaties, cola drinks, and a few other things. Corporately, Muhammad Ali was making millions. In fact, I remember when um, there was a documentary where Joe Frazier gave Muhammad Ali a million dollars to live off of. But then he turned around when they were about to fight. He turned around and was calling Joe Frazier, all kinds of names. He was using the black community to go up to actually turn on Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier financially and endorsement-wise was hit hard ever since the Muhammad Ali saga. So as much as I respect Muhammad Ali and his accomplishments, I felt that he turned his back on the black brothers who tried to encourage and uplift them. So I thought I just wanted to throw that out there. Um... When I was reading an article, the FBI has labeled Malcolm X as schizophrenic with a mental disorder because he had plans on um, overtaking the government or overthrowing it. See, when you are mentally awoken, when you know what's really going on, when you do deep deep, deep research that that really goes against the mainstream society. The mainstream society will look at you as a person with mental health issues. Okay, it's a difference between being diagnosed with schizophrenia by your actual care doctor than when a doctor or a so-called expert would say, hey, look, this person has schizophrenia. There's a difference. And Malcolm, his mental health was strong. He was a strong-willed man with a strong heart. He, He was a strong person. Now, Dr. King, he did 
He did suffer from depression. He did suffer from suicidal ideation many times, but he actually hid it from people because he knows that the fight that this country is going through is bigger than his personal issues with depression. So really, he developed that Mamba mentality before Kobe Bryant was ever born. That's right. But when the nation, when he broke up with the nation, that's when, okay, Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would soon meet. See, King and Malcolm were both on Capitol Hill watching a Senate hearing regarding legislation aimed at ending segregation in public places and racial discrimination in employment. Now, the bill has been proposed by President John F. Kennedy following intense lobbying by King and others and was being shepherded through Congress by President Lyndon Baines Johnson. Despite harsh opposition by many Southern elected officials. I want to read this article here on the biography. As King was wrapping up a press conference, he was approached by Malcolm. And the two shook hands and exchanged greetings. As cameras clicked away, Malcolm expressed his desire to become more active, saying, I'm throwing myself into the heart of the civil rights struggle. Then just as quickly as it began, the brief meeting between the two legends was over. Four days later, opponents launched one of the longest filibusters in United States history to defeat the legislation, but eventually passed and the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was signed into law. But there were also rumors that they have met and talked privately that said they would like to form some kind of union with him and his uh, people to fight against the oppressors here in America, the lawmakers who still try to racially discriminate blacks financially and in the job market. But Malcolm also was a, a proponent of having their own jobs. He was in favor of black entrepreneurship. He wanted blacks to become more and more entrepreneur-like. He want blacks to have more and more interest in leaving the workforce and building your own. Because when you build your own, you are Basically, in due time, and when you get more clients, more sales or whatever, you are more and more likely to be economically free. There's more hours, more work, more stress, more headaches. But the benefits of running your own entrepreneurship is priceless is something that is so rewarding 
that it, it, it can be it's so rewarding that the hard work, blood, sweat, and tears is all worth it. The rewards are greater than working a regular job. Because in that point, you don't have to really worry about being unemployed. Now, you can read and write all you want to. I do think that's important. I thought about what Dr. Roy from Hampton University said. He said that if you can read and write, you'll have a job. And at first I thought it was spot on. That's Dr. Gerald Roy. Now he was spot on at one point, but now that I think about it, if you, I I have to, I don't want to say I disagree, even though I think he can be a narcissist at times when he was my professor. Yeah, I said it. And a few other people, especially the guy in the, um, who works in the business department, was a narcissist. Smart, but a narcissist. I'll keep it 100. We saw that damn money for that school. But now that I think about it, If you do not have your own business, if you do not have your own business marketing plan, your own business, I don't care how good you read and write, you're going to, you're going to at some point, you're going to be unemployed because you don't have your own shit. If you don't have your own brand, you're more likely to be unemployed. You'll still be employed, but down the road, your employer is going to have some kind of financial hit to where they're going to start laying off people. They've laid off people who can read and write better than anybody in this world. Hell, better than the creator itself. they'll still be unemployed because they're not economically free. They're not free as a people. All right. So I want to go to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was becoming more and more frustrated that his marches were not being effective for him. And that the whites were still discriminative towards him. So he said, enough is enough. The marching ain't going to do shit for us. So he took a more radical approach the last five years of his life. That's what people don't want to talk about. He wanted blacks to fight 
and take back their finances. Fight for their jobs. But most importantly, boycott these mainstream businesses for discriminating you against your race. Okay? And J. Edgar Hoover has declared that since he made those statements, that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is the most dangerous man in the world. He said that too about Malcolm X. All right. And because Malcolm X exposed the nation of Islam, it also exposed Louis Farrakhan, Dr. John Henry Clark, the great Dr. John Henry Clark exposed Louis Farrakhan, and Muhammad Ali exposed himself. I love Muhammad Ali. I respect the things that he did. I'm telling you, since Malcolm X was assassinated, I felt like Muhammad Ali stopped becoming a freedom fighter. And he used, he used it for financial gain. All right. I love Muhammad Ali. It hurts. It really hurts me to talk about it. But I'm on Team Malcolm. And I'm on Team Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I'm on their team. Okay. And I have to call it like I see it. But I still got love for you. Muhammad Ali, rest in peace, brother. Because you've done a lot of good things, too. Like when you went to Kenya and spoke to a lot of young black people there. And he said, you people over here have something that we in black America don't have. It's that the love and pride of your culture, which is so true. I thought, I thought he changed a little bit. I thought he changed. And this is not, this is not a knock on his kids either, but they don't, they don't carry the, how can I put it? They're not freedom fighters. Okay, I'm not saying they're sellouts, but they're more into entrepreneurship. They're more into money marketing, which I would be the same way too, but they're nothing, nothing 
like Malcolm or other freedom fighters. Nothing like them at all. But this isn't to throw shade at the Ali family. It's all love. If you guys felt that I've offended you or made you upset, we can talk about it. Unfortunately, Malcolm X was assassinated in 1965 by um, a jealous member of the nation. There are some jealous people in the nation. They want to silence him once and for all. And the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr was extremely heartbreaking where a doctor suffocated him. So I want to, I want to let you know that I want to say that those two, they're going to be missed. They're going to be remembered as great people, as great leaders, and we love you. We really do. I am a little emotional about it because they were great influencers for the world to see. Thank you for everything, gentlemen. Muhammad Ali, I want to thank you for being a great freedom fighter too. still got love for you. I really do. Okay. Till next time, everybody. I want to thank all of you for listening. Thank all of you for attending. You could have done anything. But you decided to show some love and listen so thank you for everything everyone thank you till next time
Y'all be blessed.